Welcome to Top Brew, the show that is best served fresh. This episode's sponsor is Thrasher Coffee. Visit thrashercoffee.com for small batch roasted to order coffees and use the coupon code Eric Likes Butter to save 10% on your order. I am Joe Darnell, and joining me today is the man who likes butter, Mr. Eric Rauch. How are you doing? Fine. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Um, we are now beginning episode 16. Episode 16, teen, teen. This is first episode of season two. Or season no. two. And I'm totally kidding about that. We took a break last week because uh, just, you know, business issues. And uh, it was a good idea because I, I needed a little bit of um, time to process what I wanted to do with this episode, Eric. Right. As you know, we have now lots and lots of listeners. They seem to like the show. All the feedback has been positive. And I, I'm really enjoying the interaction with those people. And it's really encouraging to see that you don't have to be super nerdy about coffee to like our show. Correct. Um, that was something that I heard from a friend and then from another one who was like, yeah, I, I, I don't like people who are nerdy about coffee. And I'm like, oh, you know, don't, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Well, and it's something that we've been intentional about. We've been, we never really wanted this to be a, an exclusive club type thing. I mean, it's for me, coffee appreciation is more about education than it is about the actual doing of it. It's, it's great when people are interested in the process and in the method and everything, but the more you know about the history of coffee and uh, just about what it's coffee just a fun is in topic. general. Yeah. And it's very deep. It's, it's very deep. And there, there's a lot of things and, and topics you, you can go into with it. Uh, it's, it's well, everybody a, drinks coffee. I mean, worldwide. So it's it's not just an American phenomenon. It's a it's a worldwide drink. So it affects cultures in different ways around the world. Right. You're not going to make macaroni and cheese the same way your entire life. Right. And so as you learn more about macaroni and cheese and you experiment, it's uh it's fun to experiment. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe there's goes for a while when you have no macaroni and cheese in your life at all because you're just trying to, you know, eat the right kind of diet. And so you, you cut out all the macaroni and cheese, but then one day you pick it up again and you realize how much you love it. And then you start tinkering with macaroni and cheese again. And that's yeah. what this is all, this is all about for us. Yeah. There's, I mean, there's, if you, if you, if you start researching how, how coffee is made around the world, you realize there's, there's, I mean, ultimately, yes, it's, it's just, it's just water and, and coffee mixed together, but there's many different ways and many different um, methods that are used. that are, are really fascinating to me because yeah. it's not, it's not just, like we're going to talk about today, it's it, it's not just loading up your electric appliance and 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 hitting go or start and hoping for the best. Yeah. With episode sixteen, I wanted to kind of reintroduce ourselves. We have new listeners every episode, and if you want to know, this is a great place to begin with our series. And if you want to go back and check out topics, every episode covers a unique topic, and eventually those will cycle back around, and we'll bring up those topics again and address them again. We wanted to make the show somewhat timeless. Every episode is somewhat independent of the next. We have a few interviews here and there. We like to keep an interview out about once every three or four episodes. And what we wanted to say was, you know, like, what's our background with coffee? I worked a little bit for Eric and the coffee roasting company that he started a year and a half ago, I guess it was now. It's about two years now, yeah. I really had a blast. I enjoyed helping them create the brand and the website and the marketing materials. I'm a graphic designer and that's my speciality. And we did that for months on end until we had it just right. And we launched the Thrasher Coffee Company. Right. But I didn't have a lot of experience prior to that. My main experience with coffee was, you know, just drinking your coffee, Eric, and enjoying the beans. Uh, we got into grinding the coffee at the office and, uh, and that was kind of fun. 
And uh, we took coffee more and more ser- seriously over the years, but it, we weren't always fussy coffee drinkers. We were using the electric drip a few right. years ago. Right. Well, how did you get into all this? You're now a coffee roaster. Correct. Yeah. But so much more. That's true. Right. Right. Yeah. My, my, my talents run deep. It really started with, uh, with a love affair with the drink itself. I don't know, probably in high school, maybe junior high. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I started after high school. Yeah, it was, it was definitely, definitely I was a uh, regular coffee drinker by, by high school. And so I may have, I may have started, I have this memory of sitting in the locker room before football practice with a cup of coffee and I only played football in ninth grade. So that would have been, that you would have at least been, been ninth grade. Yeah. I don't know why I have that, that memory. I don't remember much else about football, but other than except it, for the cup of coffee, <laughs> the coffee and, and it was cold when we would practice and, and it, and getting hit hurt coffee and football. Yeah. Which is, which is probably why I was drinking the coffee. Cause it was, it was, you know, we was early morning practice. It was cold. So I wanted something warm. Mm. So that may have been the first time I drank coffee. I don't know. Yeah. So it was, it was just a, uh, uh, a, a drink that, that I, I really enjoyed and I liked it, but I didn't really give it a whole ton of thought. It no, was just, most people don't. It was just there and Hey, do you want some coffee? Sure. Um, it wasn't until, uh, I was That's in the cool, Navy. Man. Yeah. It wasn't until I was in the Navy and I got, I got stationed out, out in the Seattle area that I really was around specialty coffee and around people who take their coffee seriously. And that's where I, I started really looking at it a little bit more seriously myself. That was one of the first things I remember about you when we got to know each other and worked, uh, I guess it was about eight years ago, that uh, you, we were talking about Seattle and you liked to talk about Seattle's best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that and that's something maybe we could talk about on a, on a different show because the Seattle's best coffee that There's a story you can buy today is not the Seattle's best coffee I was drinking it was it was outstanding. I mean, it was it was just and it was everywhere. You could walk down any street in in Seattle and and just walk by two or three, sometimes four or five coffee carts and and there's there's shops there. So I mean, you can't you can't walk more than a hundred yards in Seattle without being able to get a cup of coffee. I was. You became a, one of the immersed coffee drinkers. Yeah, I was. I was still a drinker at that point. I was, and and, and I kind of was was someone who just has four to six or seven cups a day. Probably. Yeah. 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 Um, but, but I, but I started to be a little bit more picky about what, I, I mean, I was in the Navy, so I was, I was drinking really bad coffee too. When, when, when we were on the boat and we were out in the middle of the, the Arabian sea, you take whatever you can get. Dehydrated coffee bars. It was not pretty, but you know, so I wasn't, I wasn't necessarily a, a snob about it, but when I, when I could get good coffee, I would final flash forward another 10 years or so. And the other love affair with drink that I have is beer. Mm-hmm. That uh, that occurred to me one day, and a friend of mine and I started brewing our own beer. That well, you know, we like beer, so why don't we try making it? And then while we were doing that, we were doing that for about a year or so. And then I just and then someone one day, accidentally dumped the coffee pot into the beer, and some magic happened. That's not what happened. Oh, okay. No, um, no. I just I just started thinking. Well, okay, I, I'm I'm going into this this uh, this mindset of making my own beer. Why don't I I think about I like coffee. Why don't I think about roasting my own beans? So that's that, that's what I did. I got a little little whirly pop popcorn popper, right? Where, where which is where a lot of people start yeah. making their own. Put it on my gas grill out out back on, on the back porch. Scorched a whole lot of beans. Went through a lot. You know, tried to um, learned a lot of what not to do, and just 
really fell in love with with that process too. Right, the, like the roasting you're, process. You're the the family man. You, you're cooking out on the grill, right? And you experiment one day, and, you, and one day you realize you like your steaks better than the local steakhouse. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that hard. You you just uh, find the right technique and you stick with it. Yeah, it's it's really not. I mean, and what finally set in is that that it it wasn't that I was some sort of superior roaster or anything, and I was just roasting to perfection. It's just that we were drinking coffee that was roasted hours and days ago rather than weeks and months ago that, that, that we could get at the store. And that freshness makes a huge difference. Mm. It makes a really big difference. So, and then, and then as I got into, into roasting professionally, I, I realized, you know, I was doing a lot of things wrong and I uh, was overdeveloping or underdeveloping coffees. And, and uh, so I was learning more things about the roasting process itself. But the, I, the, the big eye opening experience was that, was that I, I had really been drinking stale coffee for, Many, like so many, many years and you know, my, my whole life really. And it's like fresh if, coffee makes a big difference. It's like if all the breakfast in the world you'd ever had was just Cheerios, Rice Krispies, cornflakes. And that was about it, you know, and that was yeah, breakfast or, or to egg you. beaters. Like, like if you, if you, if you, you've been eating egg beaters for yeah. a long time and then somebody gives you real eggs one day that, Boom. that were, that, that, that they just took from the, from the chicken house that day and they, and they made you these eggs. Mm-hmm. There's literally no comparison. Like, like they look the same. And they they kind of cook up the same, but other than that, that's where the similarities end. Taste yeah. wise, there is no no comparison whatsoever, and that that's really what happened with with me is that this isn't something that that you can replicate. It freshness makes all the difference. Right now, coffee is not a lifestyle to us. We're not hipsters. We're not you know journaling in our notepads and writing doodles and you know making tattoos on our own arms and then you know tattooing our glasses and stuff like that and growing out long beards in the coffee yeah. house, wearing scrappy clothes from the thrift store and drinking very expensive, tasty, fresh coffee. I mean, like you know, you can do that, and there's nothing wrong doing that. But for us, coffee isn't so much about lifestyle as so much as it's about craftsmanship. It's about something that you can enjoy as a layperson. You don't have to be anyone special. You can be the the, the everyday family man or you know, you know family gal, right. whatever, and you can enjoy a really good cup of coffee because. The difference it makes in basically handcrafting a cup of coffee for five minutes versus just turning on the electric drip, it, there's a world of difference there. there. Yeah. Like it is between making the egg beaters and making those fresh eggs. Right. Yeah. The, it, the right and way. It, yeah, you're right. It's, it's not, it's not a, a lifestyle for me, but it is a very important part of my life. Um, so I do, take, I do take coffee very seriously. But I don't, I don't take it seriously to the exclusion of, of, of all other things. Every cup should be a celebration. I mean, there's times in, in my day when I, when, I make, when I make it and I just drink it. Those moments usually start with, man, I need a cup of coffee. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not- You're brain dead and you're not yeah, going to remember the cup of you're coffee. Not, you're not doing it for the, um, for the taste experience. You're doing it more because you're, you feel sluggish or, or, you know, you just, you need a kick in the butt just to, to get going yeah. or whatever. And, 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 and those times, I mean, I'm, I'm still making the coffee I roast and it's fresh and it's good, but I'm not, I'm not enjoying it in the same way as I do, say, my first cup in the morning where I can sit down and, and contemplate, so to speak, you know, what I'm going to do that day and sit there and, and think about what just came out of that cup. And no. Like, wow. That's, that's really good. Right. And, but when you eat a sandwich, you'd much rather have a really decent sandwich than just a regular, you know, dry right. sandwich with bologna and right. basic mayonnaise and mustard. Yeah, if you need something to put in your, in your stomach, you can make one, you can make you a can. Wonder Bread sandwich with bologna and, yeah. and, 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 and that'll, that'll, that'll get you the, uh, the, the full stomach, but, but 
do you want to do you want to eat for taste? You know, is it do you want a handmade, you know, fresh roasted or you know, roasted fresh, fresh baked bread? You know, I mean, those those things do make a difference. Right. And I'm thinking about it. It seems like the uh, handcrafted sub sandwich is really taken off these days. Every time I go into Publix, there's a line over in the deli where people are getting subs. Huh. And, and it's, it's uh, always been that way. The public. Publix makes good sandwiches. They are. Yeah. Some days they run out of different loaves. You can't get the multi-grain or you can't get the white or whatever. And yeah. it's just that good because, uh, you know, they're, they're keeping busy. Yeah, this, but, but, but this, this idea is permeating, and, and, and we talked about this. It's when, affecting when the, Starbucks. Well, it, it's, it's permeating all, all the food industry um, and really kind of all of, all of American life. People are um, getting away from McDonald's. I mean, if you, if you went to Ikea, you would see that there's still a ton of people in there. But- a lot of people are, are looking at these older ways of, of, of doing things and, and not just buying functional furniture. They're thinking, well, if I save for another year, I can get a hutch or whatever piece of furniture you want that I'm going to pass on to my kids. It's not, it's not something that I'm just making for this momentary time of my life that I'm going to put together with the tool kit and the, and, and the screws that come with the, with the Ikea box it's something that's 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 handcrafted that's 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 made like like we like we had to 100 years ago there was no manufactured furniture because you know somebody had to hand make it that's that's how it was and that's what i see with the trend just in like online um, clothing stores you know there's a lot of these are actually creating services like thrasher where you get a monthly subscription right. of clothes yeah but when you check them out they're not your you know general purpose macy's style nice clothing that you would pick up that just looks dressy in a very normal, traditional sort of way. Lots of polyesters and bright, uh, you know, off colors, no prime colors, all pastel. You know, no, 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 no. They're doing like stuff that looks like old school, traditional right. clothing. They're, they might have some corduroys and they might have some wool trousers. You know, mm-hmm. you're not getting your, your generic Wrangler jeans. Right. You're getting some jeans that look like you want to wear them. Like yeah. Indiana Jones would wear these jeans. And I can't, I can't remember who, who first coined the phrase, but, but w- what we've done is we've essentially moved from a consumer economy, which, which is all about the stuff, you know, getting um, like the Walmart mentality, you know, save money, live better. We're, we're moving towards more of an experience economy, which is, which is now not, not just about the stuff. It's about, okay, this is the stuff and this is something that I'm, I'm looking at as being um, a part of an integral part of my life. And, and I want it to be good. I want it to be not, not just something I, I, I have that I, that I, that I set my car keys on when I come home. And, and, th- and that goes into furniture, goes into food, that goes into drink. It goes into how we, how we spend our time. Mm-hmm. And we want to spend our time doing more quality things. Not just quality, but like it has a sense of personality to it. Yeah. 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 Uniqueness. So that's, that's the thing about Ikea. Like anybody can get Ikea. One, when it uh, dematerializes one day, you can boil it in a pot and eat it like ramen noodle soup. Yeah. But it's- Or just, or just hose it down and it'll turn into a puddle and it'll yeah. run out your front door. <laughs> but it, it, nobody really wants that to express who they are, you know, unless they're into minimalism to uh, like in a really great degree. People want something with a little personality. Yeah, and um, a good example of that is a, a consumer economy gives you, here's your phone. Do, would you like a pink, blue, or white snapback to show your personality? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's, I mean, it doesn't show your personality. It, it gives you three options of colors. 
showing your personality is like not even having a phone. Sure. It's, it, it's, it, it's just questioning the whole thing whatsoever. Well, why do I even need this? Why do I need this thing? If, if I want to get a hold of somebody, I'll, I'll talk to them. I, you know, it's, it's, it's going above the, the, the need for the stuff and, and questioning it more at a, um, at the, a, a personal level that, that do I, is, is this thing really going to enhance my life or, or am I just buying the advertising right. um, jargon? Yeah. Well, let's take a break to thank our sponsor because uh, we're at that point in our show. My special thanks to Thrasher Coffee, who provides the support for Top Roos podcast and the website on a regular basis. Thrasher is a small batch roaster of high quality, responsibly sourced coffee, and that is where Eric roasts coffees. Uh, they don't roast until you order so that you can be assured the beans you brew are as fresh as you can get them without roasting them yourself. Thrasher sources beans from anywhere in the world, and every bag is a full 16 ounce pound. That's 30% more, y'all, in the coffee beans in the bag than most other coffee roasters pack. So it's definitely more bean for your buck. Thrasher doesn't roast for supermarkets. They roast exclusively for people like our listeners, discerning coffee lovers and enthusiasts. The only way to ensure you're brewing the freshest coffee around is with a routine coffee delivery subscription. You can purchase Thrasher coffee by the pound, order by order, or you can get on the, one of these subscriptions and get your extraordinarily fresh coffee beans automatically delivered to your door every two weeks or once a month. Plan prices start at $17.99 per pound, and shipping is always a flat rate of $5. You choose from their roasts, then choose when you want to have them delivered to your door. Thrasher always treats top brew listeners like the beautiful coffee brewers that y'all are. You'll get 10% off of your purchase with the coupon code ERICLIKESBUTTER at checkout. And uh, so thanks to Thrasher Coffee for supporting Top Brew, which is this podcast and our website. All right. So we've covered the groundwork, the foundation for where we come at coffee and how we tackle it. And, you know, this is where, our, you know, our worldview of coffee and uh, everybody needs a worldview about coffee. But then now we are going to talk about electric, electric drip coffee makers, because this is where I think it all begins for, you know, 98% of the world when it comes to drinking their coffee can, you know, getting acquainted with what their parents drink. Mm -hmm. They're starting with the electric drip coffee makers yeah. on the Thrasher website. We created a series of articles uh, addressing the recipes of various coffee makers. And we wanted to introduce people to coffee makers like the pour over the French press, the Chemex and cold brew coffee, iced coffee, and the AeroPress, my, my personal favorite. But along the way, you have to address the, the one boring coffee maker to rule them all, which is the electric drip that, uh, you know, everybody has had at one time or another in their kitchen. I guess nowadays, when we think of drip coffee makers, we're probably thinking about Keurigs as the more state-of-the-art version of the electric drip. But really, the electric drip is not a Keurig. We're thinking about those that have a large pot underneath a what do you call it? Like a uh, like a a plastic reservoir with a handle on it. You can slide out of the drip maker at the top above the pot, the pot, and you can stick your large paper filter inside. Oh, the basket. Yeah, yeah, the the basket. Thank you. Okay, but it doesn't look like a basket. You know, it's it's actually made of like solid plastic. I always right. thought of it as, as like a bowl with holes underneath. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's essentially what it is. It's similar to to what a pour over cone would be. Yeah. And then above the basket, you have a built-in hot water shower head that's going to distribute water down on top of the coffee grounds when it's ready to drip through there into the coffee carafe below. Right. 
But then attached to the back somewhere, you have the water reservoir, and that is what you have to fill up every time you go to make some coffee, unless it allows you to fill up enough for, say, two pots, mm -hmm. and then you have to fill it up every other the pot of coffee you make. A lot of these coffee makers these days, if you're willing to pay for it, you get a uh, like a clock or a timer built into the face of the device so that you can set an alarm to you know make the coffee go off and, and brew for you in the morning when you're getting up and you don't want to think about it and you don't want to turn it on. It'll just make the coffee for you. So there's a little bit of that added convenience there. And in review of what an electric drip coffee maker is, we've thought long and hard about it and we wanted to know... Why would you ever recommend a, an electric drip coffee maker to someone? What is its star feature? And it boils down to just one thing. It's convenience. Convenience. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's really, cause the, the theory, the, the, the way that an electric drip coffee maker works is sound. I mean, there's nothing, there's nothing necessarily wrong with the way it makes coffee. If you would, if you'd go back, in fact, that's that, that drip technology is only about a hundred years old. That was invented by a uh, German housewife named Melita Benz. Before that, people were, were either boiling their coffee in, a, in some sort of pot or they were percolating it. Both were completely over-extracting and, and destroying the coffee. It was, it was, it was, it was all bitter. Is it, people were drinking their coffee that way simply because they needed the kick. Well, that and because there was, there was just no other way. It was that, that's how, that's how, how they always made coffee. Melita Benz invents the drip Essentially, and, and you can still buy a Melita pour over. Um, I don't, I don't know how much it reflects the original that, that she invented, but but the theory is sound. You take the basket, you take the the cone, you put a filter in, you put some coffee in there, depending on how strong or how weak you want it. You run hot water through it, and then it drips through. The opening in the bottom is obviously way smaller than the opening on top where you pour the water in, so it it allows it to drip through rather than just pouring through. So it, it slowly seeps through the it coffee soak, grounds, the yeah, water does. Yeah, it soaks does, those grounds. And, and it extracts it as, it as it goes through and drops into your glass carafe, whatever then you're going to pour The paper out. holds it all together so that none of the sediment ends up down into the coffee carafe. Right. On the grand scheme of, of how long we've, we've had coffee as a, um, as a human culture, I mean, that, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty short amount of time. It, it was really advanced. It right. was really advanced for a long time. That was ahead of the curve for so many other machines that, that you know, that, that predates modern washing machines and dryers. It all, yeah, it, it does. Televisions. And, and so that idea then was, was co-opted and made, you know, like an, a convenient kitchen appliance. Okay, you pour the water in here. When you plug it in, it's going to heat the water and then it's going to, it's going to drop it through the basket. You don't have to do anything. This, is, this isn't a manual pour over anymore. This is an electric pour over. This thing does the work for you. And again, that that in theory, that all sounds great. It's it's perfectly capable of of brewing a decent cup of coffee. Yeah. But the buildup, the convenience, really starts to get outweighed over time by the by fact the downsides. That, that yeah, which that, are more than one. That it's a it's a hassle for one thing because your your water reservoir, and you know, depending on where you're getting your water, it's going to build up with calcium and and all the other things that are in your water. Which means you have to clean out the machine there. Right. And that's not so easy on a lot of these machines. They weren't built with cleaning in mind. Right. Um, and your, uh, your, your basket is going to, is going to build up with the oils. And when a, when the paper filter in, in a electric drip, as opposed to a pour over, it's, it's clinging to the walls of the basket. It's clinging to the walls and, and the, 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 the oil goes through and, Those and, lipids. It, and it, it gets embedded on the, on the plastic reservoir. Cause you're not, you're not cleaning that out, that out every time. Right. I mean, I'm sure there's some people who do, but, uh, you know, it takes, it takes soap, hot water, 
some uh, some pressure to get the the oils off there because they, they, they yeah. cling to the plastic. Well, since, since you brought it up, that is actually the biggest technical problem that is introduced with the electric drips. Let's talk about that first because it, it's the one that is the most disconcerting to me. When when I drink coffee from an electric drip coffee maker, I can usually tell that it is because it seems uh, dull and stale, even when it was made brewing very fresh coffee beans mm-hmm. like yours. Um, and I've wondered, I wondered at first, like, why am I having this experience? And I hadn't done any research. And it was really disappointing because you go out and you, you think, I'm going to buy a cool looking coffee maker. You spend 60 or 70 bucks on a good looking electric drip. When you get married, you set that up in your kitchen. You think this is going to be the coffee maker that we use until it dies or we die first. And and so you're running this thing and you're drinking coffee and you just get this great sense of satisfaction the first few times you brew from that machine because it's just it, – it's yours. And and you take gratification in the fact that you, you've got your own electric drip coffee maker. In America, you feel like you're a grown-up now. Right. And, and after you get the plastic taste out of there, after the first couple of pots, it does, it does make good coffee for a, a while. Yeah. So Until then what, – So then what happens is plastic parts like these, the, the basket as you say – is porous. Mm-hmm. And, and this has always been the case. So for example, uh, to help you understand the problem a little bit better, let's go to another corner of the kitchen. You got some of these Tupperware containers that you use to store away your spaghetti leftovers in. You, t- you get one of these plastic containers, you pour the electric, uh, the, the electric drip, you pour the spaghetti into them, you seal them up and you stick them in the fridge. They're nice and cool within 30 minutes. They sit there overnight, maybe for two days, who knows, but then you get it out of there and you see that your, your plastic container, it gets a little bit stained by the spaghetti sauce. Mm-hmm. Ah, do you think nothing of it? You're, you're just going to put that in the dishwasher and it'll come right out like it does for everything else, Eric, in your kitchen. It'll come right out of that plastic container, but no, it doesn't. A little bit stays behind and you're kind of like, huh, well, that's odd. Well, I guess, and this is going to be the container I always store our leftover spaghetti right. in from now on. So then you very quickly discover within two or three months that it just gets more and more red. It doesn't come out of the plastic. And now it's kind of disconcerting. You're like, it's getting foggy. Mm-hmm. It's it, This is ugly. Even after running it through the washroom, the dishwasher, why is this staying in there? And it's because there is residual coffee, I mean, sorry, spaghetti sauce staying inside of the walls of your Tupperware. Plus it's, it's, it's acidic. So it's there's a, there's a chemical reaction that's happening between the plastic and the acids in the tomato. And even though you're keeping the container cool, it's still happening. So, so now imagine though that you're not doing this with a cool container – you're doing this with coffee in your coffee maker, which you're heating up and getting it nice and hot. And so the pores in your plastic open up. It, it accepts all these uh, uh, coffee oils. It gets in there and then they quickly turn stale. And then the next coffee pot you make, it's going to open them all back up. Some of the stale oils come out. Right. Some of the, the new oils come in. They mix and mingle. They fuse together. And now you've got this great big mess of old and new coffee right. oils. You have an average of, of about the last 10 pots. And you do this over and over again. And it gets worse and worse because it just gets more and more stale. And so no matter how good your coffee beans you're getting more and more stale coffee by the day. Yeah, and if you make the the critical mistake of ever running flavored coffee through that machine, you're going to taste it forever. Those, yeah, because because that's another oil that they put the that that flavoring isn't in it's not in the bean itself. It's an oil they add to the to the roasted coffee, and it it just it's 
gets into the into that plastic and it stays and stays and stays. You, if you make a like some sort of hazelnut coffee or something, I mean, you're tasting that hazelnut for. I mean, I think it's always there. It's yeah. always present there in 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 some degree. Um, My mom actually likes it because I think you know ignorance is bliss. And because that's happened to her because she, she really enjoys the hazelnut creamers. She enjoyed the hazelnut beans for a long time. Right. And she just assumed there was no harm in it. And when she would use it in her coffee drip electric makers, then she, she just assumed, Oh, this is kind of cool. I'm, I'm getting the hazelnut flavor in, you know, forever. <laughs> yes, you are. For free. Yeah. 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 But it's like, uh, no, do you, do you not know why you're getting the flavor? Uh, <laughs> you know, like the, the more you learn about the house fly, the less you want to, you know, go outside you know, right. during the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just besides the whole poor issue in the basket, there, there are other problems that may or may not concern regular electric drip coffee maker drinkers. And, uh, but there was one that you wanted to talk about, which was, what do you call it again? The hot plate? Yeah. The plate that the craft They almost on. all, yeah. These days, almost all of them have those, right? Yeah. And, and again, it's, it's all for convenience is to keep your coffee hot. You know, you make, you make a full pot of coffee that way it doesn't, it doesn't cool down. It's sitting there being, being cooked to death by the, by the, the hot plate underneath the, the glass carafe. And that, what that does is it, it, it does continue to cook it. It does continue to heat it and it, 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 it breaks down. The, like uh, potpourri. Yeah. Except <laughs> it's not like, not in a good way. It, 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 just, it, it makes the coffee bitter. It, it it does the same thing that that boiling coffee would do before it would over extract it and this is after it's brewed so it's 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 sitting there on this this hot plate and the 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 liquid in the in the um in the in the craft is being continually heated and that's just just like you would do with with a uh, with in any theory, liquid and again, it's not good for it in, in, with the convenience factor in theory it sounds like a good one until you get down to the science of it yeah, yeah and and again is it convenient? Absolutely, sure. That's that. There's we're not questioning that at all. Is it is it ideal for for flavor and taste? No. That's really the what it comes down to. If you if if convenience is, is the, the the primary motivating factor for you, then then that's then that's going to do it for you. Um, if you don't mind having to grind your coffee up the night before, i.e., it's stale by the time the uh, the water actually hits it the next morning. Fine, and, you know, if if you want to wake up to a, a pot of coffee, and that's and the, and and that's more important to you than than having something fresh and and uh, uh, and I, I guess I would say tasty and good, <laughs> then that's yeah. what you should do. Um, again, yeah, no judgment here, but but I think if taste is important to you, then yeah. then I would think that 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 would be something that you would be willing to spend the extra five minutes the next morning. Making it, making it fresh, making it um, using a pour over or a French press or a AeroPress or a Chemex, or mm-hmm. it does take a little bit more time. But overall, I don't, I don't think it takes any more time. Overall, when when you count the the amount of time that you have to spend pouring the water into the electric drip machine, grinding the coffee, getting it ready, and then and then waiting for it to to do its work for you, I mean, a lot of the the manual methods that that we use involve waiting as well. You have to wait for for the water to extract the taste you want from the coffee. So you know there's always a waiting game, and and that that that's be included in the total in the total brewing time, not just not just the amount of steps that you're taking, but but how long does it does it take from the moment you start making it until um, you can actually drink it. So in conclusion, uh, just wrapping it up concerning the electrodrip coffee makers, um, you know it, there's no sin involved in drinking electric drip coffee, but we, we just don't recommend it with right. uh, Top Roo. We, we will review an electric drip coffee maker. We'll talk about their pros and cons. 
And we would like to introduce you to other great coffee makers. There are Aeropresses. There are Caporovers, which are a huge fan favorite. Mm-hmm. There's the Chemex. It occurred to me just the other day, I saw that they were using a Chemex in a, a television show, the Friends television show. And everybody, oh, really? everybody in that show, anytime they show them pouring themselves a cup of coffee, they're using a Chemex. Really? Yeah. That's pretty interesting. And, yeah. And so, uh, you know, there, there's better methods out there for everybody and you don't have to be anyone special. Uh, you, you could just be one of your friends yeah. that has the Chemex and you're making a better cup of coffee. We'll end on this note. This was something we wrote in the article at Thrasher's website concerning the electric drip. William of Ockham taught that the simplest solution should be preferred until more complex solutions prove to be better. In the case of coffee, we believe that the best preparation method is to still is still the simplest. Uh, letting ground coffee steep in very hot water for more time than drip makers allow. And then new methods come and go, promising more convenience and efficient results. But this method still remains. And that is why we like pour-overs. That's why, well, why we like the French press. Mm-hmm. It's the, that efficiency that we get from uh, the end result being just high quality, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, coffee with a little bit of personality to it. Right. Every time, nothing stale, and every, anyone can enjoy it. Anyone can do it in five minutes, and it doesn't take that long to learn how to make a better cup of coffee. Yeah, it just, it just requires patience. Like yeah. with anything new, it, it, it requires patience. But it's going to be a heck of a lot easier than like real difficult skills that you have to pick up. Like oh, sure. we're, we're not talking yeah. about something as difficult as learning to drive or learning to type no. on a keyboard. Just different. It's not going to be grueling. Yeah, it's it's just relatively uh, new and different to right. you. Anyone, anyone can pick this up. I really believe that. If I could, when I was twenty five, you can when when whenever. How how old are you, Eric? Forty four. Okay, and you learned it when you were like forty, right? You learned how to use a French press. Um, well, no, I've been using it longer than that, but but okay. it's, it's definitely in the second half of my life that, yeah. that I've been using it. It's, it's not that bad. Yeah. So that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Top Root, episode 16. You can find the show notes at toproot.fm slash podcast slash 16, where we have links to everything that we discussed on this podcast for your convenience. And if you would like to tell us something, send email to feedback at toproot.fm or message at FM on Twitter if you'd like to chat it up there. Of course, I want to recommend you, that you try the awesome goods of this week's sponsor, Thrasher Coffee. And if you want to keep the hot water kettle running behind the scenes here at Top Brew headquarters, then buy some of Thrasher's delicious small batch roasts and let them know that we sent you. And use the coupon code ERICLIKESBUTTER at checkout to save 10% on your order. And if you would like to sponsor the Top Brew podcast, whether it be for the podcast, the website, or both, uh, send an email to joe at topbrew.fm. We have listeners that love coffee and everything that is made possible by coffee, so I'm sure that your business has a lot to offer our fussy coffee-drinking listeners. I am Joe Darnell. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.